0: hello and welcome to stream theory uh it is july 2020 everything is pretty much the same as it was in june 2020 which was pretty much the same as may 2020 and nothing is really changing um a lot of a lot of lockdown quarantine coronavirus stuff so here to talk about uh what the, I don't know what where I'm going with this intro. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> I'm Jackson from this channel Skip intro, and on the line we have Thomas Flight, whose mind is maybe like rambling a little less than mine today. How's it going thomas i
1: i wouldn't I wouldn't count on it. I feel like some for some reason, I don't know what it is if it's just you know being at home for a long time, but I feel like my brain is like operating below its normal capacity recently, so
0: which is weird cuz when this started i felt like i was gonna i was gonna be so focused on what i needed to do and uh now it now it has
1: it, that's not what's happened like A saturday or two ago i had my first day of just like i mean th- th- I'm, I'm lucky that it's only happened this recently but i had my first day where i was just like i need to get out of here like get me out of this house like i just want to be anywhere else like
0: yeah <laughs> just, did like, you get to I, go out
1: anywhere or were you stuck i didn't actually end up cuz I was also like I don't feel like going anywhere that was the way you know it it wasn't like I actually wanted to do anything I just wanted to not be uh in the environment that i've been in for the last um you know four months or whatever
0: yeah so it's uh i'll tell you i'll tell you it's uh it's not not great times i everything is so stressful right now i was just gonna say i was trying to move um to to los angeles at the that was my plan in march and then uh that's that's not happening so now i'm scrambling to like figure out what i'm gonna do in the meantime it's nothing's great everything's awful yeah
1: (laughs) yeah my wife and i are hoping to move like towards the end of this year into next spring and so we're kind of like tentatively making plans but it's like you just can't I feel like nothing is I'm always just like (laughs) yeah. <laughs> anything could change are we going to be able to do it <laughs> anything could happen
0: <laughs> i mean did we think that we would be here in february no right so yeah five well, months from now who
1: knows <laughs> that's the crazy part about the whole thing is like i guess this whole time things were less like predictable and sure than we thought they were it just like we just because things usually go the way we think they're gonna go you know we kind of get this illu- illusion that like everything is Um, very stable and then it's like things can actually change very quickly you can go from you know living a normal life to a month later you know everything changes
0: yeah funny you should mention stability we are talking about uh brave new world later in the in the pod today just uh, a show all about creating a, a society of stability uh, yeah
1: uh, you have to keep your levels good and uh, stay in line with the social body I'll tell you what so, my
0: levels are not good right now
1: so um, <laughs> you need some some soma. what would be best for that a, a, a yellow
0: at least I need to be popping <laughs> yellows like three times a day yeah <laughs> um, before we go before we get into the news before we get into brave new world we're going to get into the news um, there's not a time Ton of streaming news because we're kind of just well we'll talk about why there isn't that much streaming news in a minute i yeah. guess but before we get into even that we want to just plug our email address um we are taking emails at uh, streamtheorypod at gmail.com, and yep. we're gonna try and do a mailbag soon. So if you have any questions, any comments, any concerns, uh, just want to say hi. Go ahead and shoot us an email, and uh, we will do something with it. I don't know what we'll do, but it'll be yeah. uh, it'll be great. If you
1: want to get in touch with us, do it, and then <clears throat> we'll go from there. Well, we'll take things slowly.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, there's no rush. Nothing is uh, yeah, nothing is changing. Uh, <laughs> We'll still be here next month. Yeah, so. probably. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's let's hop into the news. There's not a ton of new news this week or this month. And I think part of that is that we are starting to reach the end of the the new TV. Uh, I know there was an article. I actually didn't post this in the thing, so I'm totally jumping this on you right now. There was an article in The Ringer called We're Going to Run Out of TV. And it's just kind of about, there's, you know, this is kind of something that we've been talking about on the pod in the previous months, but just how yeah. we are going to soon run out of new things. Um, we've we've had a steady stream of kind of new things, and we're going to talk about you know Brave New World today, but we're going to slowly start hitting the end of the new the new stuff. Except for Netflix, who has famously banked a ton of content for the rest of the calendar year. Yeah, and with that being said, we can talk a little bit about. Uh, this is a story from uh, Lucas Shaw on Bloomberg. Netflix has revealed the next. Phase in its original movie strategy. Um, I just threw a bunch of stuff at you, uh, Thomas. You can talk about uh, <laughs> the end of TV or we can talk about the future of Netflix movies. Where, where
1: do you want to start? Um, well, let's start with the end of TV. I think, uh, you know, like you said, content coming out is winding down. It's also, a, a, we're entering into a new era as far as the news. Like a lot of the streaming platforms that were on the horizon when we started this podcast have come out now. Um, Absolutely. And so there's not really like any big streaming services like in the future i feel like the playing field is kind of set for the time being and now we just get to watch like how exactly is this going to play out and what will the um casualties be and who will the winners be
0: yeah peacock was kind of the
1: last the last, uh, the last one to come out. Yeah, the last new thing. It's now out in, um, in full. Yeah, it. There was a uh, belabored like three months. It wasn't smooth. Slow it was out. not a smooth it rollout. <laughs> not smooth at all. But it's out there now, and you can watch stuff on it. So yeah, yeah. I, I think I think it'll be interesting to see how all these kind of like each of these services that have come out so far are kind of these big companies, um these big media companies like jumping into the streaming game, and it feels like most of the companies that would have an interest in doing that have now done so and so there's not like we're not sitting around waiting for other big media organizations to kind of jump on that bandwagon so it'll be interesting to see like if we see more if there will be other like independent streaming services that arise like we saw with quibi like um, right you know without any ties to like a major media company
0: and we kind of Um, speculated that that might happen uh, in the same vein as, like, Shutter.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'll be interested to see, but I, I guess I don't have any speculation there. Just wanted to note that there's kind of a shift that happened in the progression of things. Yeah, in everything. Um, yeah. Uh, as far as the film stuff, this article um, just kind of shows how they, how Netflix is thinking about the, the content they're making. There was a, a quote in here um, that I thought was very interesting. The Netflix co-founder, Reed Hastings, said, we want to have so many hits that when you come to netflix you just go hit to hit to hit and you never think about the other services which i think is a fascinating like idea that you know if they just have so many of those if you think about these streaming services as having like the big pieces of content that you want to watch or if you have this feeling of like there's all this tv i want to get to um there's more than you could possibly watch realistically if enough of that stuff is just on netflix and you're already watching stuff on netflix when you get to the end of Tiger King, there might be two other shows. You might want to watch Brave New World and you might might want to watch um, what's another Netflix show. Uh, the Floor is Lava. You might want to watch The Floor is Lava. Like both of those are shows that you are equally interested in. If you just got done watching Tiger King, you're probably more likely going to just move on to another netflix thing if there's something there that you want to watch then switch platforms and go somewhere else who is this person Um, that we
0: just outlined who's interested in tiger king brave new world and and the floor lava lava.
1: (laughs) this person is not me this this is not a real person No, no, definitely not. But yeah, so I think that's an that's an interesting strategy. It's just like have enough. Basically, give the give the viewer enough options that are hits that they're interested in that they just never have to go anywhere else. Like all the time they want to spend watching television or movies can be filled by Netflix and so they don't need to go anywhere else. Um which is uh maybe a little dystopian. <laughs> it
0: is it is a little bit and uh you know, I, I've been uh, I mentioned that I was trying to move and I'm not moving anymore. So I'm trying to find uh, new new roommates and uh, you end up just like talking to people and they're talking about their interests a lot more and people that I wouldn't normally talk to. And a lot of people don't say like they're like, what are you like? To do and they don't say watch tv they say watch netflix um yeah and i know that that's totally anecdotal and not at all like a representative you know sample but it is interesting that that is kind of the way people are thinking about it i think a lot of people who cover television have thought about netflix as a you know this is a place that people will go to watch tv shows as opposed to netflix is a place that they are and there's stuff there to watch um Right. And I think that, that the latter is kind of where, where we're getting and Netflix is kind of just putting out, as Reed Hastings said, hit after hit after hit. And they're kind of just monopolizing
1: the the market. So, yeah, I don't know. I mean, that's obviously what they're going to try to do, whether or not they will be able to actually do that, I think remains to be seen like, you know, uh do they they're they're spe- you know one of the interesting things about netflix is they're spending all this these this insane amount of money uh and basically maintaining a high level of debt to produce all this kind of content one would imagine at like a certain point they won't necessarily be able to keep that up i don't know enough about the finances of these companies but it seems like me neither but the stock price is able still to- going up so yeah Um, but it does seem like at a certain point, you know, they'll have to switch over to like actually being profitable. And so like, if they can't just keep increasing spending forever, I don't know, there's like a fine, is there a finite amount of hits that can be made or can they, can they just kind of grab enough to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish? Um, related to that, one of the interesting things that I think we've observed is this shift from maybe more like And we've kind of touched on this in the past, but this shift from, I guess, what you would call a more prestige like hbo style approach that they seem to take at the beginning with their content um to something that's a little bit more uh i don't know what to call it populist maybe um and you can see this with their films um a lot of their output recently has gone from in 2000 the genre breakdown for their box office was like 35 percent action and adventure films and it's up to 60 percent now and the and comedy he-
0: romantic comedy genre has completely evaporated uh, it was 25 yeah. percent in 2000 and now it's down to seven percent today and these are the numbers from uh that that Bloomberg article,
1: uh, and if you look at if you look at Netflix, like a lot of what they're kicking out are like these uh, big reality TV shows, or crime documentaries, or um, these big you know action adventure films um, that I guess are quite popular with people, like Extraction, um,
0: for example, which was I think yeah. the highest. They, they put like a number on how many people watched it and it was astronomical.
1: Um, so I think it's interesting to note here like I think when they say hit they're not even necessarily they're not talking about like what even you or I or maybe our audience might think of as a hit. Like when I think of a great show or a great film I'm as someone who's kind of at least adjacent to like film criticism or, or being a TV critic. I tend to think of those things in terms of like critical acclaim. Right. Um, but that's not necessarily what uh, Netflix means here. You know by producing hits, they're just producing something that's popular enough to keep the majority of their uh, viewers watching.
0: Right, and so. and drawing new viewers, um, I think is is also yes. important. Um, yeah. Which I imagine they they probably got some new viewers with uh, or new subscribers with the Last Dance, which is the Michael Jordan documentary that aired last yeah. month, maybe two months ago on ESPN in the states, but now is on Netflix for everyone to see. I think it was on Netflix for foreign audiences during that time, but I know that a lot of people that I know who are really into basketball had to wait until it was on Netflix because they didn't have an internet subscription. <laughs> (laughs) cable subscription they have an internet so it'd be hard to watch netflix without internet um but yeah i i think that they're i think that you're right there's a lot of populist movement here and um that's kind of pretty standard for a lot of uh a lot of big networks you look at the trajectories of you know the stuff that's on the major four networks NBC CBS ABC and Fox it's a lot of the same kind of stuff like a lot of the like uh, NCIS makes a lot of money for CBS every year and uh it might yeah. not win any awards but that's not exact that's not the only that's not what keeps
1: the lights on you know yeah and and you know Netflix isn't just competing with like the prestige HBO shows they're competing with the whole market here like all of Hollywood they're not just competing with you know know films that are going to win oscars but they're competing with like marvel and the whole sort of uh market at least that's the, their strategy um absolutely so we'll see content from them that i think encompasses that entire you know realm of, of interests
0: and and having they having their entire slate for the entire year already shot and uh planned and unaffected by covid is like a gigantic advantage you're seeing so yeah. much of the talk about, oh, are we going to be able to reopen theaters soon enough so that we can see uh, Christopher Nolan's new movie, Tenet? Oh, who knows? We're in key- Every week, it's like, oh, it's going to be next week. Oh, it's going to be next week. Oh, the- I meant the next week. Nope, the next week. And it just keeps getting pushed back and back and back. And meanwhile, one of these days, Netflix is just going to drop the new david fincher movie and everyone's going to be able to see it immediately uh in exactly the way that they always meant for it to be seen so yeah it's not the first time or the last time we'll say this but the pandemic has really uh been quite fortuitous business-wise for for netflix
1: yeah and i think it's interesting to see how it not just like you said like specifically especially with the film market like it'll be interesting to see how by the end of the year like how much of the big conversation pieces in terms of film will have been netflix films Um, because you know already you know it looks like most of the huge stuff from this summer is getting pushed off till next year so
0: right and this could be a huge uh likewise this could be a huge change in the academy perception of netflix in the past uh you you probably know this better than I but they they've the the Oscars have been kind of trying to shelve Netflix to some degree and you have to have your movie in a theater I know that was part of the reason why they had the Irishman and the and marriage story in select theaters and if there aren't any theaters maybe the only thing that they can even really nominate is Netflix stuff
1: yeah we haven't I I don't think I don't think we've seen I could be wrong about this I don't think we've heard any news yet about whether or not uh, they're gonna adapt their requirements for this year to allow like stuff that has done straight to on demand digital releases so uh, it'll be interesting to see how they have to adapt to that but yeah if they depending on what they do it could be could be a big year for netflix so yeah well it's going to be a big year for netflix either way right right (laughs) it's already a big year for them all right well Um, while we're talking about enough netflix shilling yeah or unless you had (laughs) no i I don't i don't (laughs) uh
0: while we're on the subject of awards uh we thought we'd hit the Emmy Award nominations that came out yesterday. Yes. Yesterday, um, it is uh, you know there are, there are awards. Um, I we we've kind of gone over this when the the Oscar awards came out, and uh, Thomas was kind of lukewarm on the Oscars in general, and uh, now it's my turn to be pretty lukewarm on the on the Emmys as a general institution. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> they are definitely a thing uh they it, it always seems to be there's always problems with the emmys partially because there's just so much television um one of my favorite shows and one of the most critically acclaimed shows of the 2010s the leftovers had one nomination for its entire three season run um so it, it's uh you know it's not always a neces it's not always the most uh objective measure of stuff yeah but we have we have awards to talk about we have nominations to talk about so we shall talk about that regardless um do you want to start what are you what are some things that jump out to you about this list
1: uh well you let me get to it first because you asked me but there's uh some pretty big uh better call sauce or at least a big better call sauce snub <sighs> i'm upset about and i know a lot of other people are upset about but as they should ray be. ray seahorn was left off of the uh outstanding i'm not even gonna trade lead actress in a proper, drama yes it's a. Uh, it's
0: idiotic yeah
1: so that's that's sad a lot of people were rooting for her this year to get that it's much deserved but uh but
0: I will say I'm happy for Laura Linney uh she deserved to be nominated for Ozark she did a very good job this season
1: I haven't seen a lot of these but like from from what I've seen of the other nominees it's not uh there's there's no like obviously bad ones on there that are, you know, sort of pushing her out. So I
0: didn't finish the morning Um, show, but I wasn't a huge fan. Uh, but you know, it's, this is, this is classic Emmy stuff. They get, uh, right. They get the, it's a big flashy new show with big flashy actors. Um, and, uh, they are going to nominate them. That's usually what they do um, yeah. in terms of Jennifer Aniston being nominated for The Morning Show and Steve Carell also. Yeah, they. I mean, they did the same. They do the same thing with uh, Big Little Lies. Uh, in the first season, they just like swept all the awards, although that was, that was very deserved. I saw that show. And uh, yeah. True Detective, back when Matthew McConaughey and Woody Harrelson were there. Uh, if you put big movie stars, quote unquote movie stars into television they're often going to get nominated for something
1: the the Emmys, even more so than the Oscars you already kind of touched on this but like I feel like a a nomination or a win at the Emmys it's not about what's best it's about what what are the what is meets this kind of minimum standard of quality so it's like a, a pretty good quality show that the most people are watching so it's just like there's a minimum standard of you know quality and then really within that it's about what people watch are actually watching and enjoying and just being a popularity contest
0: yeah it does try to it tries to kind of split the difference between what is best and what people are watching um, which I which I respect I,
1: but um, I well and I think part of that is just a function of the way TV is like you just you can't that's the thing about the Oscars is like you could most people don't but you could watch most of the big films that would be under consideration in a year like people right. send out screeners and you could actually watch a lot of the movies and then nominate accordingly and then even after that happens once the nominations are in you can easily like watch all the best picture noms and then like have an actual opinion about you know what is in there. But like looking at the Emmys, it's like just watching all the outstanding drama series. Like for some people that would be like all the TV they could watch in one year. Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's just, it's an insurmountable feat to even like realistically assess these things. And then if you're not watching the whole show, you're basing your opinion off of either what you've heard about it or one episode that's being nominated. And you know, that's not a great way to evaluate the quality of a, of a television show. So all, all that to say, what are you most about Upset about and excited about? Well, I think uh, definitely the thing I'm most
0: upset about is Ray Seahorn not being nominated. Um I usually do like an article every yeah. year that's like my Emmy tweaks, which are just the nomination tweaks. Um, and I do like I sub someone out right. and sub someone in for stuff that I think is bad. So I don't know who I would sub out, but uh, yeah, she deserved to be nominated. That show is Better Call Saul is probably the best show of twenty twenty so far, and uh it does not work without the performances of Ray Seahorn and bob odenkirk and neither of them are nominated i don't really know yeah there's like a lot of nominations for better call saul so they obviously thought it was very good but they i don't know what they thought was so good about it if they it it just seems like a an oversight like what did you think was so good about it if you're not nominating the, the two main characters and it's a character study um yeah just doesn't compute for me um yeah the thing i'm most happy about is there's a ton of uh there's a ton of nominations for watchmen i was reading uh, Damon Lindelof the the creators post on Instagram where he was like at first I was really happy and then I felt like this might be like kind of a, a reactionary to Academy's history with with race and kind of that kind of thing but I think either way both are steps in the right direction to some to some degree. Um, Watchmen was a show that I think was really good right when it came out and didn't get as much attention as it should have. And people are now coming around to it. We talked about that in in our last show or the one before that about how HBO pulled it from behind the paywall for a little bit. And it just seems it just feels very relevant to the events of the last three months or so. So I think that uh, it deserves yeah. this kind yeah. of uh, spotlight, and it is a very relevant show. Though the other thing I'm most upset about not being Nominated is there's no Mr. Robot love at all anywhere here. Um, oh, true. Yes. And uh, Mr. Robot had a phenomenal final season. A lot of the stuff that I just said about uh Watchmen can be applied to uh, Mr. Robot, less in the ways of of uh, you know race and policing, but just the idea of the surveillance state and a lot of stuff that has that it kind of predicted that has come to pass and uh it was really well made and uh it I thought it deserved some some buzz which it never got after its first season
1: how about you yeah um i don't have that many strong feelings aside from the better call saul stuff um it was cool succession got some noms i like that show but uh again kind of like i was saying earlier like i don't feel like in in some of these categories i don't feel like i ha- i can have too strong of an opinion because you know the most i'm doing is like oh i've seen that show and liked it so I'm going to root for that. Uh, But like in the, for example, in the outstanding comedy series, it's like curb your enthusiasm, the good place, dead to me, insecure, Kaminsky method. Method, Marvelous Miss Maisel, Shits Creek, and what we do in the shadows, and I've seen uh, <laughs> one of those shows, so, which one? <laughs> uh, the Good Place. <laughs> okay, <laughs> and I've seen the first. I've seen the first season of Marvelous Miss Maisel, but then I haven't seen the. And I have seen some some of Curb, but I haven't seen any. I guess I haven't even watched the most recent season of The Good Place, so I haven't seen any of the seasons that these shows <laughs> are actually nominated for here so yeah um i've seen more in the drama series but even there i haven't seen the crown handmaiden's tale killing eve uh yeah oh we saw the mandalorian we saw the mandalorian (laughs) i saw a lot of people on twitter were like oh i'm so happy the mandalorian got some nominations i was like i didn't know that we were all worried that it wasn't going to get i guess (laughs) were people I was I, worried sure. that it
0: would and it did
1: I'm not sure why some people were concerned that it wasn't going to but uh yeah here we are it got nominated. yeah I
0: know shocking uh, a Star Wars show and a show about superheroes in Watchmen both got nominated for yeah, stuff
1: uh that that doesn't seem like that unusual to me but uh um no I uh, uh I was happy to see uh, the other one, the other one. I don't, we've, Euphoria came out before we um, started this show. I don't know if that's a show we talked about. I don't think we ever talked about that. I don't know if we ever talked about it either. Uh, I did like Zendaya's performance in that show. and so She was she was great, yeah. Cool to see her snagging on, but. Uh, Euphoria, I was
0: really excited for the second season. I felt like. Yes. The first season, they kind of figured out what they were doing by the end. Right. And I was ready for it to like really take off. And I know that they didn't even start she shush- they hadn't even started shooting for COVID, so yeah, that's not coming for ever. I don't know.
1: <laughs> yeah, so uh, I don't, I don't have that many strong opinions except justice for Ray.
0: That's definitely the thing that I'm, I'm most upset about. Uh, if I had to pick one thing. Okay, cool. Let's jump into our. Uh... Our talk about a a current show. Every month we do uh, Trending Now, which is one show that is uh, trending now, I guess. And uh, this month we are talking about Brave New World on Peacock based on the 1932 novel that you might have read in high school, uh, Brave New World by Aldous Huxley. It's a dystopian, uh, kind of a happy dystopia compared to some of the other ones that are out there. Uh, Everybody's on
1: drugs and just generally happy, I guess. It's an interesting... it, it, It paints a very, like different portrait of a dystopia than is usually painted which i think is part of the uh part of the intrigue like the or what's interesting about its critique is like the dystopic elements of it are kind of hidden beneath the surface.
0: Yeah, I actually wanted to read this quote that I found uh, last night. This was about the book and and kind of comparing it to 1984, which I think is a more famous book. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong on that, but I I feel like most people know Orwellian and 1984 as these words and and less about Brave New World. Right. Uh, This is a, a quote from a critic named Neil Postman who said back in 1985, what Orwell feared were those who would ban books what Huxley feared was that there would be no reason to ban a book for there would be no one who wanted to read one. Yes. Uh, and he, he goes on and he he says a bunch of stuff like that. In short, Orwell feared that what we hate will ruin us. Huxley feared that what we love will ruin us. Um, and yeah, I, I've always... Enjoyed Brave New World as a book because it made a lot of sense why people would want to be in that dystopia. Whereas 1984 felt very oppressive, and I couldn't really understand
1: why people would buy into it for that long. Yeah, um, I think 1984 had some legitimate critiques about like authoritarian governments that are to some degree like still relevant today. But absolutely. Brave New World to me and its sort of critique. Of society is more relevant to our current state where it's like it's not it's not the authoritarians above us that are necessarily well, I shouldn't say it's not. The threat <laughs> that seems most pressing to me is not like what we like you said, what we fear above us maybe asserting itself over us, but it's like the the dystopia that we might quietly just slip into because it seems good and we like it and we kind of overlook the downsides of the things that the cost that that might come with those things it's it's also very much i guess we haven't described any of the show for somebody who. no hasn't. we haven't <laughs> um and that might help <laughs> or a even bit. or
0: even the general plot or uh, yeah we yeah. uh we just kind of jumped
1: right into it but it's about it's about a world where uh there's a very like collectivist society um everybody is everybody's emotions are regulated by drugs called soma that they take all the time um sex is like the family unit has been completely done away with and any kind of social more surrounding sex are gone. Uh, like everything's just very free. Uh, there's no privacy. There's no privacy. It's just, a, um, but also there's this, there's like an AI that essentially like sets everyone in a caste level. Um, essentially like mm-hmm. a type of caste system, uh, which is presented as being like each person is in their place and they have the job that is perfectly suited to them. And so they're happy and content uh, with where they are. But as you can imagine, you know, things might not be the way they seem.
0: Right. Um, I think in the book, it's more uh, I'm trying to remember because I haven't read the book in a minute. But the book, I feel like it was it's, it's kind of implied that it's all um, they're kind of genetically engineered for these certain. Right. Yes. Uh, these certain jobs. So it's not even it's not even that they're like all being born and then sorted, but they're actually being kind of like bred. For specific uh, tasks Um, like the janitors are bred to be janitors they're literally meant to be
1: janitors as opposed to the people who are at the top of the food chain the alpha pluses right Um, so what you're kind of like what the people within the society like someone who is a, a beta level in the society doesn't want to be an alpha because they just they see the alphas as have you know doing more work or having more responsibility and they're like well i'm a beta i'm perfectly suited for my role in society society and so I'm perfectly content and happy to be doing that thing because it's for the greater good. I think the the key distinction between like this and like 1984 is partially that like 1984 is about an overrun, the overextension of government and I think Brave New World is about the overextension and lack of questioning of technology.
0: Yeah, I think that that's I think that's a fair critique or a fair assessment. Hmm. I don't know how to where to start here. There's a lot of stuff that I found very uh relevant to today in a lot of different ways that i wasn't even necessarily expecting uh yeah one of which being just like it felt very like a very relevant critique slash text in relation to everybody wearing masks and just like putting like our own personal liberties at uh aside for the greater good which is something that is relevant in american politics for whatever reason right now um uh but just in general how did you feel about the how, did you, how have you felt about the show so far? I finished it. You're about halfway through.
1: I I'm I'm loving it. It's a very interesting. So like regardless of how you feel about sort of what the show's conclusion is or the point it's trying to make, I think it's a fascinating like, way of looking at sort of our current world and potentially what we might be headed towards in some ways. So it's like you don't necessarily have to like agree with what it's presenting or the world is presenting. It's still just a fascinating like story and environment to look at and something that's different from a lot of the like sci-fi dystopia or utopian worlds that are presented so i really enjoy that like conceptually um just spending time with like characters in that world if i could just jump in real quick we were
0: talking offline about how uh you were saying 1984 was a better uh like a narrative a stronger story whereas brave new world is like more conceptually interesting right i think that in some ways that is like a perfect that makes it a perfect match for television yes where it's like a place that you can kind of just chill out and examine from a bunch of different angles as opposed to telling a one singular story about you know uh whoever the main character in yeah. 1984 is i don't remember
1: and this is this is probably heretical to some people there's a certain the book is always better group that would probably jump down my throat for saying this but like i love conceptually the i love the book the brave new world but the story itself was not like the most compelling aspect of it i think the show actually is great because it's taking the cons the aspects of the concept um and a few ingredients from the story that are the most interesting and the the story in the show i think is actually more compelling um at least how it's presented in there narr- as like just a narrative story um in the book uh so yeah, I think that that's I think that's fair it's for me, it's a great adaptation in terms of like taking the best parts of the book and um, applying them to something that people are actually going to want to watch and enjoy and still get sort of the core you still get the core aspects of the book that are most significant, which I think you mentioned you mentioned it in relation to masks and sort of like the themes of collectivism in the show, which are very interesting the The other thing that I often think about is like with Brave New World is how you know, in some ways it's painting this like distant future that we might be headed towards if we're not careful Mm. or whatever. But also I think it's, it's relevant as sort of like a critique of our current society to a certain extent in terms of how we treat technology. And just that, like the problem that they have in Brave New World is one we already face today. Like even if we don't go down these kind of really intense extreme paths we still face a lot of these problems of like just accepting technological progress without really examining like whether or not that's genuinely benefiting us or accepting certain things like like our smartphones are a great example the way that they interact with our emotions and give us dopamine hits and all these things are beginning to be critiqued but we're already just using them in a very intense way um and
0: yeah we're using them before we even know what what is gonna what the side effects are right um, yeah um and i found myself just thinking about so many different things while i was watching the show yeah um yeah. and how this kind of this this critique of of society of really human nature, I think, yeah. um, kind of applies to so many different aspects of society. If you kind of let yourself let your mind wander a little bit, I was thinking about you know just the caste system is very much like capitalism, where it's like oh everyone's important and everyone is has their place in the society, but we're doing some people are obviously doing a lot better than others. Yeah. Um. And uh. Yeah. I I totally agree. It's uh. It's very much about just our this this kind of want to be content and and happy and stable, but also what kind of system actually produces that kind of stability.
1: Right. Yeah. It's also about like the the benefits of negative emotion like if that makes sense where we like try to we try to escape those things but ultimately like there's a reason for like anxiety and sadness and too much of it is bad but they if we engage with those things properly there's like a sort of a benefit and a well-being that can come out of that and it's an interesting exploration but i totally i totally agree it's not like there's one main point here that the show i think is making that it's like you're either going to accept or reject it's it's more like right it presents you with this unusual world and out of that comes a lot of questions about our own world and it's a great way to like just examine the world we live in and think about the way things are developing and you know what the future might look like
0: without spoiling anything uh the end gets very funky. It's very it's a very funky ending. I'm I like very that. interested I'm, to think of uh, what you what
1: you to hear what you think about it. I um, I'm excited about that. It it got it's getting better as it goes along. Um it like the first two episodes I wasn't like totally I was enjoying it, but I wasn't like super I felt Actually, exactly the same way, yeah. I think there's a really great moment though in in I think it's the second episode, maybe it's the third, where things start to kind of go sideways a little bit. Um, and I thought that was fairly well executed. I,
0: thought that, I think that the, uh, the three main actors, uh, which are the guy who plays, I can't pronounce his name. So, I'm not even going to try, but the guy who is the new Han Solo. Yeah. Um, uh, Harry Lloyd, who was on a show called Counterpart, which was a pretty good star show uh, about parallel universes. And then uh, I think her name is Jessica Brownly, Brown Findlay. Yeah. Jessica Brown Findlay, who was uh, on an episode of Black Mirror. Which is what did I recognize her from? Yeah. 15 million merits. She She's was... been in tons of other stuff, too. But that's that felt very relevant to this specific um, <laughs> dystopia. Yeah. yeah uh, absolutely. I think all three of them are putting in really good performances i think it'd be really easy for the show to fall apart without great performances because it is it, it is such a uh a foreign world um that if we didn't have people like really tying us to it it would be it would be hard but yeah. uh, i think they're all doing great work
1: it's a it's an unusual show it's it's it has a weird feeling because it's like halfway it's got like one foot into like the prestige tv like world where like it has yeah. these like bigger uh stars like um what's his name alden yeah i'm not gonna yeah, to say i can't it pronounce it like he's a pretty he's a pretty big star coming over from film and then uh and then it's also like it's got like hbo level like explicitness and sort of a mature maturity to it but then it also has like ad breaks in there like you would have for a network tv show right Um, and it, it it's just this like very unusual feeling like i'm not used to seeing something that kind of like slips into the middle there um it's that's not a bad thing it's just i think funny to me
0: i i will say that it really frustrated me that peacock wouldn't let me uh watch it with an hdmi cord into my my normal
1: tv it right was, it's insistent that i need to watch it on my computer i it's if you want to watch it on your tv uh jackson you have to get the uh comcast streaming box uh so that they can sur- surveil you uh which is not at all not at all dystopian not at all uh, <laughs> not at all indicative of this brave new world that we are slipping into <laughs> yeah yeah um great <laughs> <laughs> so yeah brave new world it's it's interesting if you're interested this is a great extension of like if you're into any of the black mirror stuff like absolutely I think that crowd That's what i was gonna say too yeah definitely gonna be into this show so
0: it's it's more a single story than the anthology of black mirror yeah. but um it is all it, it hits very much the same the same vibes uh where it's about technology but also about how humans use technology yeah uh, absolutely cool uh, all right. So before we go, every month we make a uh recommendation for something that we're watching that we haven't really gotten a chance to talk about. We call it the queue. I have no idea who went first last month. Usually, I'm I pretty th- good at keeping up I with th- that. But think- my brain is scrambled i
1: think you went first last time <laughs> yeah you I go first know, so i'll go I, whatever first, we'll see um i this is a show i actually finished a little while ago but i haven't been um i go in phases of things i've been watching more movies than tv lately so i'm reaching back into the archive a little bit uh and we've already talked about the show that i have been watching um so uh, i'm going to recommend midnight gospel um which is a little animated show on netflix uh that hasn't gotten much buzz cuz it's kind of a weird um it's super weird. It's not this is not everybody's cup of tea. um but it's a comedian who basically does these like podcast episodes essentially where he'll interview somebody and that person will usually be talking about something strange like drugs or death or who knows what. Um
0: deep philosophical kind yeah, of Yeah,
1: deep like weird, you know, spiritual stuff and then it's animated in these very like unusual ways. It's kind of these interviews are sort of stuffed within this show where there's this character who um named Clancy and he goes to these different uh like simulated universes and interviews people within those universes like cartoon characters and that's what the interview is is um it's very <laughs> it's weird it's it's very trippy um but like, so if, if any of that sounds appealing to you, check it out. But the 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 kicker, the reason I'm kind of recommending it is you get to the last episode and um, the last episode of the first season is probably one of the most like emotional uh, pieces of television I've ever watched in my life. Oh, wow. Um, okay uh duncan trussell is the does the voice of the main character and kind of the interviews in the show they animate an interview he did with his mother um and the interview was done a week before she died in real life this was like four years ago or something so long before the show was even a thing um and they and it's a conversation between duncan trussell and his mother about her like upcoming deaths she had like terminal cancer or something and it's like extremely profound incredibly like moving and uh and it's presented in like this really strange you know way with this like goofy trippy animation um it's like a really special like episode of television um i don't know if you could go and just watch that episode alone i would maybe they're all pretty short episodes yeah yeah you could probably do that i I, i'm just trying to decide if like it would benefit you to have the context of what comes before that you could probably watch like the first episode and then skip to the end if if the show wasn't really your thing Um, to get like a vibe yeah but yeah it's uh it's a it's a it's an interesting piece of tv so uh, i will check that one out uh usually i'm usually you
0: say what you're watching i'm like yeah sure and i I say i'm gonna watch it and i never do this one i'm gonna watch
1: i don't feel bad because that's what i do with pretty much everybody's recommendation i i
0: uh i'm in the same boat as you i feel i've been watching a lot of tv uh even as like a tv person i've been watching a lot of like older shows and working on this uh this propaganda project so i've been watching a lot of police shows but um the show that i've been watching that i love is corporate which is a comedy on comedy central just returned for its third and final season um as a show on comedy central slash owned by cbs viacom there's like no way to watch it uh for like to stream it uh you can find it on amazon prime some of it and you can find some of it on youtube tv you don't need to watch it in order um it's basically if uh someone like remade the office for in like a company that was amazon but amazon ate walmart um and also <laughs> it was like way more depressing uh, <laughs> it's like i i think it's like personally i think it's like the the show that best captures the millennial like workplace culture um and just how how overworked and over stressed and anxious we all are but also while being very funny and super absurdist um there's this show one of the first episodes that i showed my friend was everybody in the show was watching this other show called society tomorrow which is basically mr robot um <laughs> and everyone is like obsessed with this show and every time they cut to it it's just like very i am the most special person in the universe i need to i need to accept how special i am (laughs) Uh, and uh i think it's very funny personally so if you can find it i highly recommend watching it uh and if you can't uh well nobody else is watching it either so i guess (laughs) Every time I tell people to watch it, uh, they've never heard of it. So uh, yeah, I, I
1: haven't heard of it. So
0: the, the first season finale is about a holiday called Remember Day, which is basically how they've totally corporatized a holiday around 9-11. Oh, and wonderful. everyone is everyone. It's, it's the holiday dedicated to remembering. Yeah. And how we all need to buy gifts for each other. And basically the. The corporatization of Christmas, but it's 9 yeah. 11. Yeah, okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this, this, uh, I might, I might have to see if I can find some of this because it sounds pretty, uh,
0: it's great. Yeah. Uh, I, I recommend it. It is, uh, it's dark, obviously. Dark office. But, uh, yeah. Very dark office. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> very nihilistic version of the office. Yeah.
1: Um, where can they find you, Thomas? I am all over the internet, YouTube, Thomas Flight, uh, Thomas Flight on Twitter. I'm Thomas. He's got a great TikTok dot flight on TikTok, where I'm talking about some things that might actually be relevant to kind of the Brave New World type stuff. Um, been talking a lot about like media theory. Uh, you quoted Neil Postman earlier. Um, and I was just recently making a TikTok about one of his books that I just read called Technopoly. Uh, oh, which cool. I might do a video about Technopoly and Brave New World together. We'll see. Because
0: I I uh, I really liked your your piece about TikTok. On YouTube. So, uh, yes, if you, I, I like this, I like this angle that you're going with.
1: If you want to, if you know, if you want to know what's going on at TikTok, why people love it so much, I made a video about that. So, uh, go, go check that out. Uh, Jackson, what, what are you, what have you been up to? You 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 made you made something that's pretty cool.
0: Oh, thank you. I, I've been working on this series of videos um, about propaganda on my YouTube channel. Uh, basically, just how television has shaped our view of the police. Uh, first episode was about, you know, the early television shows that had cops in them and how they basically uh, let the police edit all of the scripts so that they could uh, get access to cops and real stories and stuff like that, but also how that led to a ton of censorship. And the next episode should be coming out on Sunday. um, And it is about uh, the the CBS procedural blue bloods. it is the longest video I have ever made. It's the longest thing I have ever written, but uh, it's good. I'm very, I'm very proud of it. I'm excited. <laughs>
1: well, I'm excited to see it too. I really enjoyed the first part, and people should check it out because, uh, yeah, I learned a lot of stuff that I did not realize. It's, it's crazy to me just how, just even knowing how like prominent the police have been in TV in general. Um it's kind of mind-blowing. So it's definitely a worthwhile subject to do a deep dive on. Yeah, I appreciate that.
0: I think there was like 60% of primetime shows uh on on the four major networks in 2019 yeah. were about the police.
1: that's which is just that kind of thing is nuts to me and the fact that like there's not a bunch of people who are like, "Hey, we need to seriously explore like the way that like if that's how much like stories about police have dominated you know our media it's like that's a huge interesting thing that we should examine and see like what might the effects of that be and how have they been portrayed and that kind of thing so
0: yeah i definitely uh in doing the research for the project i've been been spending a lot of time being like wait that's not actually how police work works (laughs) i just assumed (laughs) because i watched uh tv Uh, (laughs) uh you can also find me on twitter at APN2 I tweet stuff sometimes uh, yeah uh, <laughs> that's my Twitter plug and uh, send us emails so that we can we can respond in a mailbag yeah all right and uh, we'll talk to you guys
1: next month we will see you all next month